From the studios of Teeing It Up in Swanson, Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents Danny Flecka uh, with us in his weekly spot. Good morning, Danny. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I am well. The Knicks are not well. Um, they just got decimated yesterday in the paint by Jimmy Butler and company. And I think that that, that, that was about the worst the Knicks could have played. They could not hit a shot to save their lives, and they just could not play high-quality basketball. I mean, he took advantage of that every single solitary time. And you're going to get those days, unfortunately. Um, and now the Knicks have to make adjustments really quickly with game four Monday night. Yeah, yesterday was a tough shooting day for the Knicks. They were unable to get anything going. I think midway through the third quarter, they only had like one or two threes that were made. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those games, like you said, it's a make shot league and the way that the league is played, you're expecting 30 to 40 three-pointers attempted a game by each team, and if you are not making those threes, and you get down in the hole, you know, you just become more desperate and keep taking more threes, so yesterday the Knicks fell behind. They don't have, you know, that star player either to take over a game. It really needs to be a collective effort, and the, the Heat are just one of those teams. I think not enough gets spoken about how well coached they are, yeah. and how good of an adjustment coach Spolstra is. He ran circles around the Bucks in the first round. The, the Heat, you, would, you could argue, have been the better team over the three games, even though they're only up two-one uh, down multiple players in game two, they almost stole another one at Madison Square Garden, so Spolch uh, is a hell of a coach, he, he's keeping this team in there, they're, they're fighting tooth and nail for everything they have, uh, I, I don't know if the Knicks have enough to, to take it the distance and, and go seven, but if the Knicks can even this game, this series back up, then you have two more games at the Garden, you know, I think that's what they got to aim for, is make it 2-2, go back to Madison Square Garden, game five, and, and try to at least, you know, get that one. Uh, but it's going to be tough. The Heat are, are, are proving to be no easy out for anybody that they're going up against right now. The, the pure amount of undrafted players they have on this roster that are contributing is mind-boggling, and it just speaks to how well-coached they are. Just absolutely how well coached they are. It's, it's mind-boggling. Um, yeah, I, and I think the Knicks are a good matchup for them in general. The Knicks want to, you know, they want to play a little bit slower. It's in Tibbs' nature, even though the Knicks were pretty high scoring this year. It's in his nature to slow things down, uh, to play defensive basketball, and that's the type of team Miami goes up against pretty well because they're kind of built the same way. They don't want to shoot tons of threes. They want to control the game, force turnovers, out-muscle you. It's a good matchup for them. I think the Heat will eventually run out of gas um, or not have enough shooters on the floor to contend with some of these other teams in the playoffs. But the Knicks are a good matchup for them right now. Did LeBron and the Lakers show you enough last night, or is this just a case of there are games that are going to be blowouts in these playoffs and this did not prove anything to you about the Golden State Warriors or the Lakers for that matter? Yeah, I think it's Anthony Davis, right? I think they showed a graphic last night when I was watching the game. Whenever Anthony Davis is scoring 20-plus points, grabbing 10-plus rebounds, the Lakers are winning. When he's not, they're losing. And I think it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. It's straightforward. 
guard. He needs to be the one that's driving the team. LeBron needs to be the one that is facilitating. And then they need guys like D'Angelo Russell, Hachimura, uh, guys like that to then supplement them on the other end with scoring. And yesterday was one of those games. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, I think, came out and scored like the first 17 points for the Lakers or something like that. He had a really good game. Um, but it's the Warriors. They've adjusted pretty well, I think, these playoffs. So the one thing that worries me about the Warriors is that they seem more dependent on Steph Curry this time around than they have in the yeah. past. But look, Clay had a pretty good game yesterday in game two. I don't know if ancillary that the Warriors have enough this year, but I'm not going to count them out because they still have two more games at home, and if they go back to the, to the Bay, 2-2, it, it's anybody's series, but I would lean towards the Warriors in that series. Especially especially having to rely on the, the theatrics of, of, uh, of uh, Steph Curry. Not just Steph Curry, period, but the theatrics and just the craziness that is uh, Steph Curry. Um You've you lived in Boston for a long time. You watched the Celtics nucleus get built. Your thoughts on that series, uh, as it stands right now? Yeah, yeah. I think Boston's the best team left in the playoffs. And it's no disrespect to the Warriors or the Nuggets, who you know, whatever. They just come. They can come at you in so many different ways. You know, Tatum, Brown, Brogdon, White, Smart, Robert Williams. It looks to be healthy and springy, jumping all over the place. You got Al Horford making threes, you know, left and right. You know, they have Grant Williams doing what he does. They're, they're to me, the best roster that's left in the, the playoffs. The question that comes up with them is first year head coach, can they do enough in the fourth quarter to close out games? We saw it in game one against the Sixers, we saw it a couple times in Atlanta. They get out these leads. They, they have some brain farts. At, at times, it seems that they get baited into doing stupid things on, on the offense. And it kind of avalanches from them, for them from there. But they're the best team, I think, left. I don't see why they can't just win these next two games against Philly. Philly, to me, is not that good. I don't think they have enough shooting that can keep up with the Celtics. You know, Embiid it, it had a good game on Friday, but... I think we know the story on him, right? He, he gets gassed out. He can't last the entire game. He's done a good job, I think, of protecting the paint, but I think they're asking a lot of him. And if James Harden is playing like he is in game two and three, even one or two more times in this series, it's over. Um, so I, I like Boston a lot tonight. I don't see, again, I don't see any reason why they should not be going back to Boston 3-1 and have a chance to close out that series and make quick work of them, but... Yeah, we've seen this Boston team in the past and even in this playoff have trouble really flexing their dominance and really putting teams away. I'll say this about James Harden. He had that drive in game three where he just kind of got to the paint and then didn't know what to do. Whether it's pass or shoot, he's got to be way more assertive. If you're a Philly fan, you've got to hope that he is way more assertive uh, and, 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 and way more decisive. Make your decision and then live with it, you know, however it turns out. You can't be in midair trying to figure things out. Um, so that's my thought about James Harden. The, the one last thing I want to say about the NBA, uh, uh, Danny, and uh, Danny Fleck is with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. 
The one last thing I want to say is that there are too many guys in this league who are trying to get fouled. They're doing unorthodox shot shapes um, and, and shooting motions trying to get fouled. And there are smart players that can do this well. But if the whistle does not get blown, you are caught with most likely a turnover and looking really, really bad. Don't try to earn the foul by doing weird things. Earn a foul by doing normal things. That's just my, my two cents on NBA shooting. Yeah, I mean, they tried to take away those, those instances, right? That, that The arm bar where you like stick the ball from left to right or right to left. They tried to get that rid, get rid of that. They, they seem to be a little bit more conscious of calling fouls on the floor. I don't know. The NBA is weird like that. It's all the James Harden effect, right? He's the one that started yeah. it. I think in every game I've watched with him against the Celtics, he's jumping into the defenders in their space and looking for a call every single time he goes up. You just can't play like that. And what are you no. supposed to do as a defender? You're, you're in your space and you're getting called for, for contesting a shot where this guy's flailing his legs at you and landing in your spot and then you're the... You know, they're getting a cheap foul. It's just the way the NBA's moved and the way that these players play. The officiating has been good, not great. I, I think one thing that I've seen a lot this playoffs too, a lot of charging calls. I would love for the NBA to get rid of charges completely. I think that's a bogus defensive play. But, you know, that's just the way these guys are playing. And... They want to get to the line, but have these guys get to the line don't even make their free throws. So I don't even know if it's worth it for them. Exactly. The free throw shooting in these playoffs has been atrocious, especially from some star players. So all things to watch as these playoffs continue here. As we talk on a Sunday, what is it? What is it? May the... Today is May the 7th um, here on uh, Sunday, May 7th in in, 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 in Excuse me. In twenty twenty three, Danny Flecker with us here on teeing it up. Let's let's flip to the NFL for a second. Uh, you said it perfectly. The, the Jets got squeezed uh, in the draft because of the Aaron Rodgers trade. They just did not have enough ammo to get the right offensive uh, lineman that they wanted. So they go back to Mister Billy Turner, and just one by one by one, the addition of Randall Cobb. We have the New York Packers, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Packers. Um, who will be taking the field this fall. And somebody said to me, look, your draft was Aaron Rodgers. Live with it. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> swap of the first-round picks really put the Jets in a position where maybe they didn't want to be in. Uh, the Pats definitely bent them over a little bit <laughs> of trading with the Steelers knowing that maybe the Jets wanted an offensive lineman and the Steelers were willing to pony up. Um, I even read that like Belichick took less than what he should have gotten for that pick, maybe just to stick it to the Jets one more time. That would be uh, shocking. Wow, that would be revolutionary. <laughs> but, but, but you're right. You look at the Jets and their draft was to get Aaron Rodgers and hope that the pieces you could get are enough to give you the, the chance to succeed come this season. Now, will it work out completely? You know, we'll see. I mean, the Jets do have AVT that's supposed to be coming back from injury. Um, so that should help sure up the offensive line. Brees Hall, you only got a half a year out of him, so you can look at him as the quote-unquote uh, draft pick. Um, and 
you had solid pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Now, will that translate? We'll see. I mean, anytime there's a new quarterback, a new system that's being put in place, you know, things can get a little bit hairy. But the positive is that the system that's being put in place, the most important piece is the quarterback, and he knows it. So that should help a little bit there, but... You know, I look at it that it was Aaron Rodgers or Butts for them. They got Aaron Rodgers, and your hope is that you can build a contender in the window that you have him in for the time that you have him in, which is probably about two years. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, next year they're not going to have a first-round pick either. So unless something bad happens, but you have to probably go into next year thinking you aren't having a first-round pick either. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But it was, it was Aaron Rodgers for them. You know, Danny, somebody said to me, um, how big is your win? What is the, you know, what, what is the minimum criterion for this team? I, 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 said, I said Super Bowl. This is Super Bowl or bust for this team. Am I over, oh, overstating it? Because I don't think I am. Star defense, great offensive pieces. I think it's Super Bowl or bust. Uh, yeah, I mean... It's hard to sit here in May and, and have the definitive outline as to what this season needs to be for this team. I, I think it's it's playoffs. you got to make the playoffs. You know, once you make the playoffs, anything can happen, matchups, injuries, whatever. It's hard for me to sit here in, in May and say it's, it's Super Bowl or bust for a team that hasn't even made the playoffs in, I don't know, 15, 16 years? Yeah. When was the last time they were in the playoffs? 2010? So that would be 13 yeah, so years? I, I, I think it's got to just be make the playoffs, right? You have a tough division. It's not going to be easy. You you know, you don't know what you're going to get from Aaron Rodgers. Salah's still, to me, not the best game day coach that's out there. So there's a lot of pressure riding on these guys to get just to the playoffs. I think ownership is definitely going to look at this team and say, if we don't make the playoffs, then we have to think of other things that need to get us there, but got to make the playoffs. So I would say playoffs are bust, not Super Bowl or bust. Interesting. We'll see where that goes. Or sorry, where, where we land on that uh, come November, December. Uh, one last thing on, on the Jets draft. I do like Will McDonald. We have a lot of people who are Will McDonald, but I do like him um, you know, just as a player and as a first-round pick. You watch more college football than anybody. I do think he is a great player that can do great things for the Jets and other players, sorry, other teams in this league over his entire career, don't you? Yeah, I mean, he's got the length, he's got the build to be that type of end in the system. That's what they look for in this system. Bigger defensive ends or outside linebackers, like in that. You know, Bosa mold, you want the, the size, the length, the ability to play all three downs, not just be, you know, a, a plug-and-play speed rusher, you know, one-trick pony. The NFL, you know, takes some time for these guys to learn. I think edge rushers are, are a position where you got to see how the teams are playing you. You have to adjust and study film. And, and go from there. So, you know, he has the opportunity and the frame to be a good player for the Jets and, and see what happens. Again, their defense has players. They have 
a good defensive line. They have active linebackers, and they have a good secondary. So he's not coming in there trying to save them. He's coming in there to be a piece that can help elevate them. So that's how he should approach it, is refine his game, study film, find areas where he can help the team and allow that defense to take that next step and become that unit that we saw early on last year. I was able to keep the Jets in a lot of games, um, and unfortunately their offense failed them down the stretch, but you have to think that with the more cohesive unit on the other side of the ball, that defense should only be better because you aren't being asked to go out there and win the game every single week. 1,000%, and I think that that's something that um, should help this defense is knowing that, that the offense is there to help you and vice versa, and we can get in a shootout and you know, have a, a competent quarterback to get us to the promised land versus, you know, nine, six games in the third quarter and you do have somebody, so I have a defense that can hold and then have Rodgers lead you, lead you to one uh, touchdown. I'm, 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 I'm with you completely on that. Let's, let's flip to your Giants. A, where do you see this Giants team? I know it's May, but I'll ask the same question, right? Where's their next natural progression after being a playoff team? And then, B, what did you think of, the, of their draft? Yeah, after the move that they made this offseason, it was, it was clear that Shane was not going to go in there and spend every single dime he had trying to fix every single issue with this team. They made some nice pickups. You know, I'm sure Giants fans are clamoring that they didn't get a top-end wide receiver in free agency or in the draft. They didn't get Jalen Hyatt. But I think they're trying to go with an approach of, volume rather than, you know, one individual that's going to be that difference maker. I, I do like that approach, to be honest with you. Um, I do think Daniel Jones is not that type of quarterback that's going to be able to pinpoint on one wide receiver and make him the star that you need. I do think it's a committee approach for them. They have the depth now, and look at what they did do with the Darren Waller trade. That was their third round pick. And a, a pick and a and a risk worth taking given his contract in this situation. And then you look at what they did the first couple rounds. They they went out and got a corner which they desperately needed. And rookie corners do take some time to, to bear fruit in the NFL, but they needed somebody opposite Dory Jackson that was comfortable playing the style that Wink Martindale wants to play, seems to have gotten that on paper. They needed an anchor in the offensive line. They went out and got that. For all intents and purposes, this guy was the number one rated center in the draft. Comes from a scheme that, that is very power-heavy, run-oriented. He does need some work in his pass protection, but I do think Dable will be able to figure that out with him. And then they go out and get high in the third round, a, a, a speedster that some say he needs to develop his route tree. But again, I think with an offensive coordinator like Kafka and a head coach like Dayball, they will work to figure something out where this guy will be able to produce and contribute to this team overall. So, you know, besides the Saquon question, if this team has winner over them right now, and it seems like they're doing everything in their power to placate to him and give him what he wants, this team's progression has to be continuing success. Nine, ten, eleven games won, and fighting for a playoff spot. Now, 
Their division is brutal. The Eagles have only gotten better. The Cowboys will be a pain in the ass. They'll be a thorn in their side. The Commanders, now who knows with them, they, they seem to always just find a way to, to tank. But the NFC is going to look a lot different than it did last year. San Fran is still good. Seattle's going to be much, it's going to be good. You know, the South, who knows what's going to happen in the South. I have no idea. It's probably the weakest division of football right now. And, and the NFC North has, again, a bunch of question marks. You've got to think the Vikings and Lions are two favorites there. But if you're the Giants, you have to go into the season saying, you know, the knock on us last year was that we couldn't beat the good teams. we got to go out there and beat some good teams this year. And we got to be able to improve on what we did last year. Again, 9, 10, 11 wins, whatever that is, just get them into the playoffs. And again, once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Uh, and you, I believe, and, and, and pardon me if I'm incorrect, didn't you um, extend that Dexter Lawrence this week as well? Yeah, he got a four-year extension worth $90 million, 60 guaranteed. So, you know, again, Shane has gone in here. From what I've read, he's had an order of operations, basically, of how he's going to take care of the roster. Daniel Jones was signed. Dexter Lawrence was signed. Next up is Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. You know, these are the guys that have been drafted. And it's been a problem with this Giants team when Gettleman was there, and even prior, that they weren't keeping the talent that they were drafting. And part of that is they were tra- drafting so bad. But now we're starting to see the better draft, the better players, key pieces, and key valuable areas for them that they need to work on extending. Left tackle, no-brainer. Andrew Thomas should be signed. Dexter Lawrence, the disruptive defensive lineman, has to be signed. A quarter, or you can say what you want about Daniel Jones. Quarterback system is comfortable in the system, has to be signed. And then you start to build the team out from there. So, you know, we are in year two of his rebuild. With you know, the results we got last year, obviously expectations are going to be high for this team. But the way he's building this team to me, shows that he has a plan, and if they just can keep getting better and better every single year, competing, fighting, and doing what they can, you know, in two, three, four years, whatever it may be, they should have stability that they need to be, you know, the team to beat in the NFC East, because I do think Philly will eventually hit their window, Dallas will hit their window, and the Giants are, are, are with the they're trying to build this team, so... Come September, we'll see what happens. But right now, on paper, they're doing things the right way for once. Which, which will make a lot of Giant fans happy. Uh, Danny Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. Uh, what did you make of what Houston did? Yeah, they were super aggressive. Um, I... I mean, at the end of the day, you probably wanted, went in there and you, you said that we're going to get the best players that we can for this team. I think you're asking a lot of T.J. Stroud and Will Anderson up front. New coaching staff. I, I think they went in this saying that you know the, 
the AFC South is wide open. You know, Jacksonville had a good year last year, but it's sustainable. We'll see. I think I would have been a little more conservative if I were them. But at the end of the day, you know, they've been draft, they've been stockpiling these draft picks. They clearly had Stroud and Will Anderson ranked one and two on their board. They found an opportunity, and with the team, the Cardinals, that to me has no desire to compete this year. And it was obvious in this draft they're looking to reset completely and, and look ahead to 2024, 2025, that area. So they found a willing trade partner. They did what they had to do, and they, they, they got their two guys. Now you have two guys, plus Larry Kunkel on the offensive line, some guy that you can build around. But I think they might be kicking themselves next year if they're if they're a top-five pick that's going to the Cardinals. The Cardinals could end up with the first two picks in the draft next year if everything shakes out the way people are projecting right now because they'll have Houston's first-round pick next year. It's, it's bizarre. What do you make, though, of C.J. Stroud in terms of is this going to be a learning curve situation for him or can he be that guy? Um, that could bring Houston some, you know, uh, sorry, Texan fans some some happy memories year one. I think it's going to be a rough year for him. Um, I think it's going to be a rough year for Bryce Young. I think any of these rookie quarterbacks that were drafted, Bryce Young, him, Will Levitt, Anthony Richardson, I think they're all going to have tough years. Mm. And it's just because of the types of teams they went to. You know, they're all teams that are rebuilding or don't have solidified offensive plan. You would think Frank Reich can help get the best out of Bryce Young. You know, we, we can't forget that Frank Reich was an Indy, had some great years of quarterback that were on their last leg. Um, and now he has a troop number one. It'll be interesting to see what he does with him, but they traded away their best wide receiver prior to the draft. Um, Indy has a sneaky good roster that could be feisty this year. They have some good wide receivers. They have Jonathan Taylor. They have an offensive line that has been good. I don't know how much they trust their coach. First-year guy came from the Eagles. You know, We'll see what happens with them. But I do think all these quarterbacks are in for a rough year. I don't like their, their situation. Um, and they're probably looking at starting right away. Like I don't see why Stroud doesn't start right away. I don't see why Young doesn't start right away. Levis will probably have some time to learn. Same thing with Richardson, but, you know, there's a reason. I don't know. I'm not that high on this QB class that say next year's. Yeah, next year's could be very, very interesting. Um, so I was reading before the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Now, now obviously, for the Jets, it's a way different story. Uh, Danny Flecker with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. Let's talk about a team that's not rebuilding. That's the, the uh, n- that that is the New York Yankees who just cannot string together multiple wins, and they keep putting players on the injured list. Um, do you have any Yankee thoughts? Same story, right? I feel like we talk about this this team every single year. I mean, last year they got yep. off to a hot start, but they were able to ride into the playoffs, but. They were not a good team after the All-Star break last year. This year, what a surprise, Stanton's on the DL. Um, their $160 million pitcher, Rondeau, has chronic back problems. Judge has a minor hip problem. It's the same story with this team every single year. and I, I just don't know what they need to do to fix it. 
you know, everyone's calling for Cashman's head, rightfully so. But the positive thing is that it's baseball. You know, they have still like 140 games left to play, 135, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, the AL East is is division to beat. You know, they have the Rays in first. Baltimore and Boston own the top two wild card spots right now, and then Toronto and the Yankees are nipping at their heels for those wild card spots. At this point, for the Yankees, you look and you say, "We got to just win series, go two of three, or a couple of weeks here, get back to you know ten, twelve games over five hundred, and try to maybe challenge Tampa for the division." Although Tampa's already twenty games over five hundred, so. That might be difficult. So you're probably playing for a wild card this year, and you know that's not where the Yankees should be playing. But unfortunately, with the way their roster's constructed, that's where they're playing. That's what they're playing for. It's a very weird situation, and Baltimore coming out this hot—it's almost like, can you trust it? But they've got so many young guys that are, you know, putting a performance together that I—you don't know if you can trust them in. In in August and September, but right now they are an impediment for the Yankees. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, today's a big game for them. They go down to Tampa, take two of three. Garrett Cole's on the mound. The game you should win, but Tampa's feisty. They somehow every single year seem to be this team that just puts it together. And is always fighting and, and battling for a, spot, a wild card or, or a divisional spot. But if you're the Yankees, you need Judge to come back, lengthen that lineup a little bit, get your pitching healthy. Uh, you know, I don't know when we'll see Rondon, if we'll see him at all this year, to be yes, honest with you. Yeah, that, that's a big. Me, uh, yep, I, I, yeah, I, I, I am in the if. Camp. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Danny. So, I said, it's Carl Pavano 2.0. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. It's a great call. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, sorry, that's a that that's a great call. It's it's such a weird, weird's not the right word. It's it's just it's it's so frustrating when you acquire somebody and he just cannot get off the injury train. And um, you know, you 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 look at Matt Harvey retiring. This week, and you are, are reminded that in sports sometimes it is one fleeting moment. You have one window in time, um, and you just don't know if you're going to hit it at that moment or if you're not going to get it at that moment and get a title at that moment. And as Yankee fans, we were so used to getting titles at that moment. Um, now we've had trouble hitting that moment and getting base hits, literally, during the postseason. It's been a very frustrating ride. Yeah, if you, you know, when they went out and got Rondon, you had to know this was going to happen. Like, let, let's look at the guy. He's had injury problems his entire career. He's never pitched more than, I think, 165 innings in a year. And you give him $160 million. got to be smarter with your money. And even if that means picking up players that maybe don't have the highest ceiling, but they have struggled the last couple of years just getting guys to keep them innings. And they... Or is you know, Clark Schmidt going out there lasting four innings and getting his butt kicked every time he goes out there? Like, yeah. You can't sit here and tell me as a GM 
say, or fallback option is Clark Schmidt. You've got to be more aggressive out there and get guys that can give you consistent performances. You know, Clark Schmidt, he's just not it. No. Not it. And it's okay to, like, wipe your hands with it. But in the offseason, you know, be more aggressive with the players that you know that can help supplement this team. And, and they just didn't do that. And, you know, yeah, getting judged is great. Keeping him to stay here was awesome. You know, Volpe coming up and getting this shortstop spot was big for them. And, you know, he'll eventually develop into that guy, I think, and be there. But then you let guys like Ben Attendee go that you, that you knew could potentially give you what you would need. Um, you have, you know, even other guys that were out in the market, like Michael Conforto that got signed for, for a cheap deal. Like, these guys that can give you at bat in spots that you've struggled with for years, instead you're trotting out... Um, Frankie Cordero and, and Calhoun and, and Aaron Hicks and they strike out four times a game and then Yankee fans are complaining they can't get hit. Yeah, because these guys aren't supposed to be out there to begin with. <laughs> well said. Better than better than anything I could have said. That is that is perfectly said. Um, any, any hockey thoughts before we shut this thing down? I mean, the NHL playoffs have been awesome. Um, I've been watching more of it than I usually have. Um, a lot of it because, you know, the teams, the local teams were in it, and the Devils have had a nice run here. They're up against it today. Hopefully they're able to, to pull through, get get this series back on track for them. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're the NHL teams, like you've got a lot of teams in, in the playoffs that are left that aren't maybe – Household teams, you know, Bruins are out, Rangers are out, Avalanche are out, Lightning are out, uh, Toronto's down 2-0 to Florida, who seems to be right now the best team and, and left in the playoffs. But it's a grind. The Stanley Cup playoffs are a grind. I just hope the Devils can get something going here today, get this series 2-1, and maybe sneak another game in there. You know, just make it a series at this point. I think that's their goal. So we'll see what they've got, got for us today. But they've had some, uh, the last two games have not been great. So I think as a Devils fan, you're probably going into it today thinking, you know, we can't be any worse that we've been in the first two games. So hopefully they come out with some pep in their step and are able to steal a game today. And then, uh, you know, game four, we'll see what happens. Seriously. Uh, you would hope that they, that they come out with some anger and some vigor, um, which is what I hope the Knicks come out with tomorrow. Um, some of that energy right from the start. Danny Flecka, thank you as always for joining us on Teeing It Up. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, of course, my man. Hope you have a good one. Uh, same, same to you, and enjoy your day, everybody. Have a great, lovely Sunday.